This is our 115th homecoming here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Adventist Church on this October the 20th, 2023, with our homecoming speaker, Reverend Tyler Jernigan, bringing the message, The Day the Glory Came Home. We'll be out of John 14, 22 through 23. We'll start our service off with Sister Kay Hatcher with the memorial service. Good morning. This morning I count it an honor again as I have the privilege to reflect upon the lives of our church family members that went home to be with the Lord since our homecoming service last year. This morning, this candle will shine in celebration of each of their lives. Pauline Barbie Morris was born in Johnston County on August the 15th of 1933 to the late James Carl and Bertha Pope Barbie. She was preceded in death by four brothers and four sisters. She is survived by her sister, Louise Overby. She was also preceded in death by two sons, Harold Wayne Morris and Dennis Edward Morris. She is survived by her daughter, Barbara Acock, and husband, Ricky her son Randy Morris and husband's and wife Susan, her son Jackie Morris and his wife Kelly. Pauline was blessed with 10 grandchildren, 13 great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. Pauline was a lifelong member of the Pine Level Pentecostal Holiness Church. She was a member of the women's ministry and she was a member of the choir. In her younger years, she helped in the nursery. And we all remember that Pauline took such pride in making sure there was a fresh glass of cold ice water on the pulpit for each of our preachers who were speaking that day. In her younger years, Pauline took some crocheting classes and she enjoyed crocheting. She was a babysitter for many children while their parents worked. She was also known for taking in teenagers in her home and helping them get on their feet. So when they were able to get out of her house, she had provided for them during that time. We know that Pauline loved this church. She loved God, and she loved her family. She so enjoyed taking family vacations. Pauline went home to be with the Lord on February the 17th of 2023. Joyce Woodard Gurley. Sister Joyce was born in Pine Level on July the 30th of 1937 to the late Archie Woodard and Ruby Eatman Woodard. She was preceded in death by her husband, Charles Gurley. She was also preceded in death by her brothers, Bobby Shelton and Robert A. Woodard, Jr. She was survived by her sisters, Peggy Acock, Judy Phillips and her husband Danny, Kay Barbie, and a brother Benny Woodard and his wife Betsy. Sister Joyce was blessed with two children, Teresa Sauls and her husband Herbie, and a son Randy Gurley and wife Sandy. Her grandchildren were Chris Sauls and wife Cassie, Brittany Petty, husband Adam, Andrew Gurley and wife Ashley, Lindsay Bach and her husband Christopher. Sister Joyce was blessed with 11 great-grandchildren. 
And then when she was a, a, a band, when she was able to attend here, she was a choir member and she was sang alto. She and her husband served as a church treasurer for some years. Joyce enjoyed spending time with her family, gardening. She enjoyed the beach and she enjoyed the mountains. She also enjoyed baking for her friends and her neighbors. Sister Joyce went home to be with the Lord on March the 19th of 2023. Bernice Cockrell Bunn. Sister Bernice was born in Wilson County on September the 18th of 1939. She was born to the late William and Bessie Cockrell. She was preceded in death by her husband, Jean Bunn. She was also preceded in death by her brothers, Pete Cockrell and Steve Cockrell. She survived by her brother, Johnny Cockrell, and her sisters, Brenda Godwin, Peggy Clark, Shirley Scott, and Judy Barnes. She is survived by her daughter, Patricia Jones, and a son, Timothy Barnes. She was preceded in death by a daughter, Frances Godwin, and a son, Benny Ray Barnes. She was blessed with four grandchildren and six great-grandchildren. Sister Bernice loved her family, and she loved this church, and she went home to be with the Lord on April the 21st of 2023. William Edwin Edmund Thornton, as we knew, as Bill. Brother Bill was born in Sampson County on January the 14th of 1937, to the late Ivy and Annie Bill Thornton. Brother Bill married Sister Ruth Kennedy on September the 16th of 1961. Brother Bill was preceded in death by his brothers, Delma Ray, Bernice, and a sister, Faye Pope, a sister, Edith Britt, and he is survived by brothers and sisters. They are Brian, Jerry, Glenn, Lottie, and Ida. Brother Bill was blessed with three daughters, Donna Capps and husband Wesley, Gina Davis and husband Craig, Carol Gunner and husband John. Brothers, Brother Bill's grandchildren were Lara Jackson and husband Chris, Ryan and girlfriend Stormy, Savannah, Cheyenne, Brooke, and Alyssa. Great-grandchildren are Thomas, Andrew, and McKenna Jackson. Brother Bill served as a Sunday school teacher and usher, and he was a member of the deacon board. He sang in the choir as long as his eyes would allow him to, and he also was a part of the men's ministry and the leadership committee. Bill loved to cut grass and help his neighbors with their grass as needed. He loved to grill out with his family. He loved being outside doing odds and ends or simply enjoying the fresh air. He looked forward to Sundays where he could be at church and he also spent the afternoons with his children and grandchildren. Most of all, Bill loved his God, his church, and his family. Brother Bill went home to be with the Lord on April the 25th of 2023. James Norman Braswell was born in Princeton on January the 5th of 1938 to the late William Grover and Thelma Barbara Braswell. 
He married Josephine Creech Braswell on April the 18th of 1964. His sisters are Carolyn Jean Braswell and Magdalene Braswell. He was blessed with three children, a son, Rodney Braswell, and wife, Tammy, a daughter, Arlene, and her husband, Danny Cook, a son, Jamie Braswell, and wife, Sandra. His grandchildren are Jessica Reynolds and husband, Dylan, Allison Braswell, Rachel Braswell, Rebecca Flores and husband, Melvin, Jasper Cook and wife, Victoria, Preston Braswell and wife, Lauren, and Abby Braswell. Great-grandchildren are Evely, Ezra, and Ezekiel Reynolds, Callie Jackson, Emilia Flores, Judah Ray, and Graciana Braswell. Brother Norman served as a deacon. He was part of the men's ministry, and he enjoyed going on the fishing trips with the men of the church, and any other trip or activity that the church was having, he enjoyed being a part of that. He also helped with the annual barbecue chicken fundraiser. Brother Norman worked for the Department of Transportation for 31 years, and he enjoyed building roads in Johnston County. He was an avid walker for 40-plus years. He enjoyed fishing at the coast and primarily at the Outer Banks. He also worked at home on lawnmowers and other small engine equipment. He was known for working in his barn daily. He loved playing checkers and he was considered to be an expert. It was very rare that anyone would beat him, even with the ones he played online. We know that Brother Norman loved his family, he loved God and he loved this church and he went to be with the Lord on August the 7th of 2023. Linda Joanne Phillips Caps was born in Johnston County on April the 3rd of 1948 to the late James R. Phillips and Drusy Deans Phillips. She was preceded in death by her husband, William R. Caps, as we knew as Bill. Joanne was preceded in death by her sister, Brenda Barber, and she is survived by her sister, Jean Campbell, and a brother, Jim Phillips, and his wife, Faye. She had two sons, Russell Caps and wife Karen, William Kenneth, as we knew as Ken Caps, and his wife Robin. Her grandchildren were Haley D. Caps, Thomas S. Gibson, Richard G. Sacusi, Chelsea Caps Chambliss, Joshua Caps, and Jeremiah Caps. Her great grandchildren were Ari Nelson, Bellamy Nelson, Cambry Gibson. Sister Joanne was a simple country lady. She loved helping people in need, and she always put the needs of others before her own needs. She enjoyed arts and crafts, crocheting, upholstery work, and scrapbooking. She loved peacocks because of their beauty. Joanne loved her family and enjoyed spending time with them. And she went home to be with the Lord on September the 13th of 2023. I know there are many others of you in our congregation today that may have lost someone this year also, maybe a family member, someone very close to you. And we want you to know that we love you 
We want to thank all of you for being here and especially the family members of these individuals that we have celebrated today. I have just a little short poem that I'd like to share. A million times I've needed you, a million times I've cried. If love alone could have saved you, you never would have died. In life I loved you dearly, in death I love you still. In my heart you hold a space where no one can ever feel. It broke my heart to lose you, but you didn't go alone. Part of me went with you the day God took you home. Please, please stand. Thank you. First of all, I want us to, by applause, let's honor those who have gone before us. Amen. Thank God for the path they left for us. And I want to also thank you, uh, Kay. Where's Kay? Where'd she go? Thank you so much uh, for doing that. Because I guarantee you if they'd said, Pastor, that's your job, I would have messed it up. So thank you so much. By the way, you look very sparkly today. Amen. (laughs) Father, we thank you for those who have gone before us. We thank you for those who have paved the path that we might walk down a clearer path path, that we could do your will and continue the work of God in this church here in this little town of Pine Level. We thank you for 115 years we have existed as a local church in this area, and I thank you for the souls that have been saved and how many of them are in heaven even today because of the witness of this church. And Lord, I do believe truly that if we will follow you with our whole heart, our best days are not behind us. I believe they're in front of us. And we pray, God, that you will bless the remainder of this service. We give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. And everybody said together, remain standing as we worship the Lord in song. Amen. You know, there has been a lot of experience passed away this year but thank God we're going to be able to see him one day, amen open the eyes of my heart open the eyes of my heart
loved, and he loves each one of us. Amen.
I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up till I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest night You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am.
Amen. Has God been good to you this week? You know, it's never too late to give you to give God what He deserves because I guarantee you He's going to give you what you deserve. Amen. Can we do a little more of that? I think so Let me too. Get some water. If y'all know this, sing it along with us, okay? I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. Sing it. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am. I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. Oh, yes you have. All my life you have been so, so.
Jesus. Amen. Everybody stand up. Go to somebody and tell them how good God is. Amen. Shake your hands and hug your neck. choir this morning. It's pretty good, wasn't it? It's pretty good. Thank all four of you. Ten, twelve. I tell you that uh, woman sung that solo part. That's one good looking woman now. <laughs> tell you all that. I, I, I don't normally say stuff like that out loud, but I had to say that this morning. That's my wife in case some of y'all were offended by what I just said. We're so glad y'all are here today. Your presence makes this day special for us. I feel all weepy this morning. Is that all right? Yes, sir. I feel, I'm, I feel juicy. I feel juicy this morning. Thank God for his presence. Thank God for the heritage of this church, the history of this church. A church that loved me so much, they gave me a second chance. (laughs) Amen. I love y'all. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to uh, do something that we do every homecoming, and that is our parade of ministry. So if you have um, a gift, financial gift, and you are one of the people representing a ministry, would you just stand up right now and come? And uh, maybe come over here, and Brother Mac's going to be here to give some guidance and direction. And I'm going to sit down and hush. You all work very hard all year to support our different ministries in the church. And we look at this as an opportunity on Homecoming Build Fun, Building Fund Sunday to give, not only for the ministries, but for all of us uh, for the Building Fund. And uh, so the ministries now this morning is going to share 
uh, what they will be given uh, to the church building fund on homecoming. The youth? The Pond Level Youth is given $500. The uh, men's ministry would like to donate $2,000. We've been blessed this year. The fellowship ministry is donating $1,000, and let me put in a plug right now. If you hadn't seen it, there are flyers outside on the doors and everything that we are taking orders for hams and butts for November the 22nd. That's when we're going to cook them. So keep this in mind. If you have not ordered one yet, which I do not have many that has ordered yet, so I know some of you have not, but, uh, but please uh, support the fellowship ministry, and uh, we do appreciate it. Thank you. And the women's ministry gives a thousand dollars. Thanks, all. Something that we have not done previously. Um, wow, this is going to be hard to get out, Brother Farrell. Um, as your deacon board, we look at the Five, six, the six men we have left as ministers also. And this year, the deacon board wanted to do a little spe something special to honor two of our deacons that went home this year. Brother Norman and Brother Bill Thornton. You know, we, we've already missed them a lot. These two men were deacons that was full of God's wisdom. They loved God. They loved Jesus, and there ain't no doubt. Their wisdom helped us through. I personally missed that wisdom. I know the other deacons does. I spent over 30 years with Bill Thornton. It was a privilege and an honor. And the few years that I had with Brother Norman, oh, what a smart man. What a man with a lot of godly wisdom. And I miss them. We miss them. The deacon board would like to give $2,800 to the building fund. God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much to the ministries of our church. I miss the wisdom of those deacons too because now the top wisdom uh, people that we have is Mac and Larry. So we really need a lot of prayer. There are... They're our top wisdom. <laughs> Amen. We're going to continue worshiping by receiving our tithes and offerings. And we thank you for your faithfulness today. Father, bless this offering as you did the bread and the fish. When the little boy brought his lunch, you took it in your hands and you blessed it. And it was just enough to feed one. But when all of that was distributed, you multiplied it and fed thousands of people. We ask you to take our gift today, multiply it, that we might use it only to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel Jesus, I feel Jesus. 
Jesus. I feel Jesus in this place. How my soul does burn within me. I feel Sing it with me. I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus in this place. How my soul. I tell you, I do feel his presence here today. Thank the Lord uh, for your presence, but I'm even more thankful for his. How many of you have heard Tyler Jernigan preach before? Amen. Well, those of you who haven't, you are in for a big disappointment. No, no. You're in for a treat. Amen. Those of you who have heard him said, amen, amen. Tell you all this right now. Out of all the preachers I know, Tyler's one of them. He's one of the preachers I know. And I, I just wanted to say that from the depths of my heart. You know, when I'm going to have a guest speaker, I like to hear from the Lord. I like to make sure that I've got some, some signal, some sign that uh, this is the right man. And, and uh, I want to tell you all that the reason I asked Tyler to do our homecoming this year is because I had a dream about him. I dreamed about him. I, I dreamed that, um, and I know this may seem a little strange, but I dreamed that uh, I died and, and went to heaven. And I was at the gate of heaven, and I, uh, the St. Peter, you know, all this is very biblical, by the way. St. Peter's at the gate, and, and uh, he told me, he said, Pharaoh, you made it. You made it to heaven. He said, but you were not perfect. How many of you would say amen to that? Amen. That was Millie that said that real loud one. Uh, amen, I'm not perfect. He said, so what we're going to do, and now look, y'all, I can't help what I dreamed. I, I just got to tell you what I dreamed. So he said, I'm going to just have to change you to an ugly woman the first year you're here. And I and I hated that so bad, and uh but I, I knew I wasn't perfect, and and I went on in. I'm telling you, she was ugly. I couldn't hardly look at her. But uh, but I was in heaven, so I was I was thankful just to be in heaven. And I looked over there and saw Tyler with a beautiful chain to a beautiful woman. And I went to St. Peter and I said, I just need to ask you something. I said, I know I'm not perfect, and I deserve this. I said, but Tyler Jernigan's not perfect either. And I said, he is chained to a beautiful woman. 
What in the world? And St. Peter said, we're punishing the woman. So I, <laughs> I just felt like I need to share that. <laughs> How many of y'all know that did not come from the Lord? But I was definitely going to use that on Tyler today. Tyler Jernigan, I love you, brother. I love you. Uh, I love your daddy. I love your mama. You got a beautiful wife and a beautiful child. And uh, God has blessed your ministry. And I just feel like right now you're just in your sweet spot, just enjoying that church you're pastoring in Clinton, right? And uh, come on up here. Come on up here. Uh, I just thank God. You know, we had um, Brother Fulgram, is that his name, that did homecoming for us last year? Is that his name? What's his first name? Tim. Adam. Tim's good. Tim's good, too. Uh, Yeah. So, Adam. Adam. Yeah, that was some sermon last year, wasn't it? And look, he's just a young fella. He's just a young fella. I mean, he's just got his permanent teeth in right before he came last year. And, um, and, And that boy preached, and I sat on that front pew, and I could not believe the preaching I was hearing coming out of that young boy. And then I know Tyler listened to him preach many times. I thank God he's still calling people like this into the ministry. Aren't you? Amen. Amen. Give it up for Tyler Jernigan. Well, thank you for that introduction. I appreciate that. Um, It is so good to be at Pine Level. Um, I think your choir sounds as good right now as they ever have, Mr. David. You you are doing an excellent job. You really are. And Joey and all of those that help him have made sure that everything's in place for me. You're blessed to have these people. And you have my favorite piano player. Um, and Pastor Farrell... Now I'm I'm just going to be <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you now. He is one of my heroes. If there's ever been a man who has influenced my ministry other than my daddy, it's this man. He has mentored me. If it's possible to mentor somebody over a phone, or a CD, he has done that for me. I tried for about a year and a half of my life to be him. I wanted to be like him, and I found out that's just not possible. There's only one. (laughs) But I cannot overstate how much he means to me in my ministry. Would you give me a D? I'm going to spring something on you because I know it's not possible to spring anything on Thomas Vick. He knows everything about that that he's on right there. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. 
Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms, they will all pass away. But there's something, something about that name. I want us to sing that again. This sister right here, you've lost your son. The Lord's healing your heart right now. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name master master my savior jesus like the fragrance after the Call his name Jesus, 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 Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms. They will all pass away, but there's something about that Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the sweetness of your presence that has filled this room this morning. Holy Spirit, speak through me to your people. Make me a blessing to this man of God, this pastor, as he is a blessing to my life. May I leave here empty today, knowing that I have poured my heart out as you have seen fit. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad to have my brother, Jacob, with me and his girlfriend, Elvie. I didn't even know they were coming with me until they knocked on my door this morning and asked me if I was ready to leave, so I'm glad that, uh, that they're with me. My wife and my two girls 
are on their way home from the mountains, so I haven't seen them since Friday, so I'm kind of excited about getting to see them this afternoon. Uh, but thank you so much again for the invitation to be here. I'm a little nervous to have Pastor Farrell on the front row. I've preached in a church that he pastored before, but he wasn't there. And so that made it, you know, a little easier. But to show you how nervous I was that day, this when me and Brian kind of formed a friendship, I locked my keys in my truck that morning. And uh, so I just had to go to the guy that I semi-knew and said, I locked my keys in my truck. And so while I was preaching, he was breaking in my truck. And so uh, that's how nervous I was that morning. So I'm kind of glad I ain't by myself today. Ain't no telling what I'd do today. But uh, thank you again for allowing me this opportunity. I want to preach from the book of John chapter 14 this morning. If you have your Bibles, the book of John chapter 14. Now, I'm not going to preach very long. That's the biggest lie you're going to hear today. Um, now, Pastor Farrell, the way he does it is he'll tell people, I'm about to close. He'll just go ahead and lie to them and say, I'm about to close, and he'll say, you know, that doesn't mean anything. It just gives you hope. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and just start off by letting you know I, I don't know when I'll close. So, uh, But I do know that we got food waiting, so I won't be foolish. John chapter 14 and verse 22. I want to read verses 22 to 23, and I pray the Lord uses me today to encourage you and bless you. Judas saith unto him, not Judas Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Now, in my Bible, it's a center column reference. It's got a little number by the word abode. And over in the center column, it says home. So what that means is, we will come unto this man who loves me and keeps my word, and we will make our home with him. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the day the glory came home. The day the glory came home. Home. There's always joy in coming home. I haven't lived at home for several years now, but even when I go home, it feels good to turn my truck off and close the door and walk up the steps and open the door and smell mom and daddy's house and know that I'm home. And I still go to their refrigerator without asking. I still go to their pantry without asking. You can ask Jacob. Our daddy hides the good snacks because he knows that we don't, we'll just walk in and, and start eating. But I love going home. There's nothing like going home. But no matter what homecoming we talk about this morning, whether it's going home to where you were raised or whether it's your home that you live in now or whether it's coming home to the church that you were raised in, none of that compares to the day the glory comes home. If you'll let me, I want to start in the book of Genesis. I want to go before chapter 3 when sin came into the picture. And I want us, if we can, in our mind's eye to imagine what it must have been like 
to be Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before sin ever became a reality. The Bible says that God, Jehovah God, would descend the royal stairway of heaven. He would walk down the steps and he would get beside Adam and figuratively put his arm around him and they would walk in the cool of the garden with the cool breezes of eternity blowing around Adam's shoulders. He had the confidence that nothing would ever separate him from this communion and fellowship with God. The atmosphere in the Garden of Eden was so perfect that the veil between heaven and earth was very thin, so much that God was comfortable enough to get up off of his throne and just walk down the stairway and walk on the earth that he created with Adam who was his friend and his creation. Now the Bible lets us know that when sin became a reality, when Satan used the serpent to beguile and deceive and lie to Eve and she turned around and gave the forbidden fruit to Adam, her husband, and together they disobeyed against God. In that moment, the Bible says that their eyes were opened And they knew that they were naked. Now, it doesn't say that they became naked. They just, their understanding was enlightened to the fact that they were unclothed. Now, my question is what was it that clothed them up to that point? They were not ignorant. They had perfect knowledge. There was no sin to mar the image of God in Adam and Eve. So what is it in this moment that really caused them to be open to the fact that we don't have any clothes on? Here's a Pastor Farrell's statement. Naked means you don't have any clothes on. Naked means you don't have any clothes on and you're up to something. So uh, they were naked. They realized they didn't have any, any, any clothes on. I believe, and you can disagree with me, this is not one of those points where we we have to divide fellowship over, but I believe they were clothed with the glory of God. I believe that the very glory of God clothed them. They didn't need any clothes. They lived in a light of God's presence. Anytime you read about the glory in the Bible, when the glory is revealed to man, the Bible talks about it being a light that no man can glare into. I believe Adam and Eve lived in that light. I believe the glory of God surrounded them. But in that moment when they sinned and disobeyed God and fell into rebellion and in that one moment plunged the entire human race into sin, I believe that the glory lifted and that's when they realized that they were naked and they were ashamed. That's why Paul said in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and we have fallen short of what? The glory of God. So the question is, will the glory forever be gone now? Adam and Eve, the federal parents of mankind, our representatives, they fumbled the ball. They dropped the ball so is it all over for us is the glory gone forever I believe Psalm chapter 50 and verse 5 answers that question 
Psalm chapter 50 and verse 5 says, Gather my saints together to me. This is God speaking. Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. We think sometimes when we think about how God dealt with the people of Israel after Adam and Eve sinned and after they were banished from the Garden of Eden and then they started having children and by the time you get to Noah's generation man's mind is on evil continually and God floods the earth for 40 days and 40 nights and then Noah comes out of the ark and God makes a covenant with him and tells him to be fruitful and multiply and then we come up on a Gentile nation named Abraham who God says I'm going to make you the father of the Jewish nation and we look at that nation that came through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob I, I think sometimes when we think about how God dealt with them we have this idea that God dealt with them one way and deals with us another way because they're in the old covenant and we're in the new covenant and back in the old covenant they had to keep the Ten Commandments and as long as they kept the Ten Commandments they could have communion with God. But here's the problem with that. None of them could ever keep the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were never given for man to be able to keep. The Ten Commandments were like a mirror that showed man you won't never get it right. You won't ever reach this perfection. The way God dealt with the old covenant Israelites was the same way he deals with us, by sacrifice. God set up a sacrifice system. The priesthood and animals and the different offerings that the Israelites had to bring to the tabernacle to offer to God. So this verse, Psalm chapter 15 verse 5, reveals that God's covenant has always been sacrifice. Now granted, the sacrifice system in the old covenant was insufficient. They had to keep bringing animals. They had to keep bringing lambs and rams and turtle doves and bullocks, all the different animals. They had to bring them over and over and over again. And blood of animals ran deep around those Jewish altars for thousands of years. But not one drop ever took away sin. It just covered it like a band-aid for a year's time. Can you imagine a year later you'd have to come back and sacrifice another animal for the sin that you sacrificed an animal for the year before? I mean, it was just a never-ending thing with these animal sacrifices. But ladies and gentlemen, every little lamb that bled in the tabernacle pointed forward to the Lamb of God which would take away the sin of the world. Jesus' blood would not just cover sin. Jesus' blood would take sin away. And so the tabernacle of Moses became the place of sacrifice. This was the place the Israelites would bring their animals with a sin-tainted conscience and have their faith in these animals that when this blood is shed and the priest slits the throat of this animal, my sin is going to be covered for a year's time. But even when they walked away from that place of sacrifice, they knew. 
There was never getting away from that cloud of sin and its payment. I'm going to have to do this all over again because I can't keep the Ten Commandments. Well, this place of sacrifice, which we're going to talk about for just a few moments, was so special to the plan of God for the people of Israel that he set it up in the middle of their camp. And all the tribes camped around this building or this tent called the tabernacle. Just give me, just let me give you an example. This tabernacle would be in the middle of the camp. You would have the tribes all the way around the tabernacle. The tribe of Judah would camp on the eastern side of the tabernacle and they would fly their flag in their campsite. The flag of the tribe of Judah was a lion of gold on a field of scarlet. The tribe of Ephraim, they camped on the western side. Their flag was a black ox on a field of gold. The tribe of Reuben camped on the south side. Their flag was a man on a field of gold. And the tribe of Dan camped on the northern side and their flag was a golden eagle on a field of blue. Now interestingly enough, all four of these flags coincide with the pictures of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four pictures that the gospel writers give us of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just for example, the lion on Judah's flag represents the king in the book of Matthew. Matthew wrote his gospel to the Jews and he presented Jesus as the king of the Jews. The ox represents the servant. And when Mark wrote his gospel to the Romans, he presented Jesus as a servant. The man on one of those flags represents the son of man, which is the picture that Luke painted to the Greeks. And then the eagle represents the highest heavenly being. And John wrote about the Son of God to whosoever would listen to him. So I want to go ahead and spoil the story. I can ruin a sermon. I want to go ahead and spoil the story and let you know that everything in the Old Testament, everything that we're going to talk about today in the tabernacle, all the flags, all the symbolism, it all points to Jesus. And Jesus is the way to the glory. So the tabernacle of Moses had two coverings. The outer covering that you would see if you were just passing by the campsite, the, the, the outside of the tabernacle was made of badger's skin. It was dull. It was a, a light gray color. It was just very unattractive and so if an outsider was walking by the camp of Israel and they looked in the middle where the tabernacle was, they would think to themselves, that's their glory? That's what they're so excited about all the time? That's what they, the tabernacle of Moses, that's it? Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 that if our eyes beheld Jesus, there was no beauty that we should desire Him. People talk about what they would do if they could see Jesus in the flesh. He was just a mere mortal man. I mean, he didn't look any different. He didn't have wings sprouting out of his shoulders. 
He didn't have a big neon sign saying, I am the Son of God. He looked the same as everybody else. But John 1.14 says that He was the Word. That's the Logos. That is God Himself. The Word made flesh and dwelt among us. So if you went on the outside of Jesus, you might would say, well, there's no beauty that we should desire Him. But if you could pull back that outer covering, you would see that the very blood of God was flowing in His veins. You see, the second covering of the tabernacle, the outer covering was badger skin. And and that second covering was, was the skin of a ram dyed red. And so that speaks of the blood of Jesus. When Abraham and Isaac were going up on top of Mount Moriah, and, and as they were going up, Isaac looked at his father and said, Father, I see the wood for the sacrifice, but where is the sacrifice? And Abraham looked back at him and said son God will provide himself a lamb and so they get to the top of Mount Moriah which interestingly enough in the New Testament is the location of Mount Calvary where another father led his son up that same mountain and put his son on the altar but in Abraham and Isaac's case the Bible says as Abraham began to lift that dagger into the air to plunge it into the chest of his son the angel of the Lord seized his wrist and said do thy son no harm and the Bible says that Abraham turned around and there was a ram caught in the thicket I want to tell you today ladies and gentlemen that Jesus is the sacrifice on the outside he may not have looked like much but on the inside the blood that would not just cover my sin but take my sin away flowed freely through his veins So I, I want to show you the way the Israelites got to the glory. I promise I've not forgotten that that's what I'm supposed to be preaching about today. But the first thing you should notice up here on my picture is that there's only one way to get in. There's only one way to get to the tabernacle of Moses. You see the lines on the sides, that's like a box that the tabernacle kind of was built in and the only way you could get past that box into the tabernacle was through the eastern gate Jesus said in John 14 and 6 I am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father unless he comes through me it might be too simple for you today but I'm going to tell you again Jesus is the only way Jesus is the only way to the glory Ezekiel chapter 43 speaks of the glory returning to the temple. Verses 1 and 2 says, Afterward he brought me to the gate, listen, the gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. So the glory would only enter through the eastern gate. Verse 4. And the glory of the Lord came into the temple by way of the gate which faces toward the east. I don't know if you remember or not, but Judah was the tribe that camped on the eastern side of the tabernacle. It's interesting that Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And on their flag was a lion of gold against the field of scarlet. It speaks of Jesus' deity, but it also speaks of His crucifixion. Again, the only way to get in is Jesus. 
So once you enter that eastern gate, the first thing that your eyes would meet would be the altar of sacrifice. It was called the brazen or the brass altar. You could not be pardoned from sin or blessed by the priest until you came to that altar of sacrifice with some type of animal. It didn't matter if you were the most moral Jew in your tribe. You still had to bring a sacrifice. It didn't matter if you had a whole list of good works that you had done for the camp. You still had to bring a sacrifice. And I want to tell you this morning, no matter how good of a person you have been, no matter the good things that you do for people, the only way to get to God is by the way of sacrifice. So as you bring the sacrifice to the altar, you bring the lamb, you would lean your hands heavily on the head of that lamb. You would almost push his head down and the priest would slit its throat and you would feel the hot blood as it coursed through your fingertips and that blood was placed upon the altar and you claim the death of that animal as your own. I don't mean to be gory. But there was one called the Lamb of God who hung on an altar called a cross and shed blood from every pore of his body. And if you will believe in that blood today, you can be saved. You can be set free from sin. Addiction can let go of you. Habits can let go of you. The past that you can't escape can let go of you only through the blood. So the brazen altar is the cross of Jesus. The altar of sacrifice is the cross where Jesus shed his blood. As a matter of fact, it's interesting in Luke chapter 24 verse 39 when Jesus appeared to his fearful disciples who had locked themselves up in an upper room. Jesus had been crucified. They were afraid they were next. And this is what Jesus said to them when he appeared to them. He said, handle me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as I have we would have said flesh and blood but the reason he didn't say flesh and blood is because he had poured his blood out on Calvary's cross so the next object after the cross or after the altar of sacrifice would have been the brazen or the brass laver it's a wash basin in Sampson County we call them sinks It's a wash basin filled with water. And it was made out of polished brass that the women used as a mirror. As long as that brass was clean, you could just see your reflection in it. Well, the water speaks of the Spirit. The mirror speaks of the Word. We're no longer depending on the Ten Commandments which acted as a mirror. Who, what just, the Ten Commandments just told me what I was doing wrong. It didn't give me any power to make it right. But now at the brazen laver, I can see where I'm wrong and I've got the water there to make it right. The Word and the Spirit together. Jesus told Nicodemus, you've got to be born of water and of the Spirit. In John chapter 4, Jesus met a woman at a Samaritan well and said, You drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. 
But if you'll drink of the water that I'll give you, you'll never thirst because it'll be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. In John chapter 7 verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And it says, This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But I'm glad to tell you this morning that Jesus has been glorified. The Holy Spirit has been poured out in His fullness. And now we can come to the brazen labor. We can come to the Word. We can come by way of the Spirit and find the cleansing that we need in our lives. Hallelujah. You see, the altar of sacrifice was enough for my salvation. I, I grew up with a misunderstanding of this. I grew up thinking, okay, I'm going to kneel down here, repent, and get saved. I remember when I was saved. I was just a kid. I'm not sure what I had to repent of, except the fact that I, everybody's born with a sin nature. But I remember where I was. I was in the altar of the church that I now pastor. And it's so neat because a year ago, I led my oldest daughter to the Lord right beside where I met the Lord. It's, it's just amazing to me. Clyde Shelton was preaching a fall revival. And as a little boy, I got up off the front row where I was sitting with mom and daddy. And I knelt at the altar and I was crying and didn't know why I was crying. But I told Mr. Clyde, Uncle Clyde as I called him, I want to be saved. And he prayed the sinner's prayer with me. But then I grew up thinking, oh, I thought a wrong thought. I got to go get saved again. So I'd go get saved again. And then I'd go out a day later. I'd say something I shouldn't have said. I got to go get saved again. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad to tell you, you don't have to get saved again. The altar of sacrifice was enough. Jesus' blood was enough. He's given you a brazen laver to go to. And you don't take a whole bath in the brazen laver. You just wash your hands and you wash your feet if you need to. My service for God and my walk for God. I go to the brazen laver and I say, Father, I just bring before you this dirtiness. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Thank God for the brazen laver. So, so we've got through the altar of sacrifice and the laver. That's the outer court. Now we're going into the holy place. So the outer court, everybody kind of hung out in. But the holy place was a holy place. There's three pieces of furniture there. First, if you look, it's on the left side, our left, is the golden candlestick. No natural light came into the holy place. The light came from that candlestick that had seven branches on it. And one of those branches, the one right in the middle, continually fed oil to the other six branches. And that light shined continually in the holy place. It speaks of the illumination of the Holy Spirit. That you don't have to live your life in darkness wondering, do I go left or right here? Do I stand still or do I move forward? What does God want me to do? I don't know what God's will is for my life. You don't have to live that way because He's given you the illumination of the Holy Spirit on the other side was the table of showbread 
Twelve loaves of bread would sit on that table, six in one pile, and then there would be vessels of wine. Now that doesn't really surprise us. Uh, They didn't understand the significance of it, but we understand the significance as the broken bread being the broken body and the wine representing the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Straight ahead is another altar. But this is the altar of incense. You didn't burn animals on the altar of incense. The priest would put hot burning coals on this altar and then he would take incense and sprinkle it on those coals and a white cloud of smoke would fill the holy place. That speaks of prayer. That speaks of worship. So while the outer court speaks of my salvation experience, the holy place speaks of my service to God and my service to other people. That brings us to the holy of holies or the most holy place. There's a veil that hangs between the holy place and the holy of holies. And only the great high priest could go behind that veil. But behind that veil is where the glory was. That's our destination, remember? We're talking about the day the glory comes home, but we can't get in because we're not the great or we're not the high priest. He can only go in one day a year on the day of atonement. The only piece of furniture behind that veil is the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant was covered with a lid called the mercy seat and the mercy seat had replicas of two cherubim or two angels with their wings meeting in the middle. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's rod that he carried that budded almonds, a pot of manna that they got in the wilderness, and a stone tablet which had the Ten Commandments written on it. Above the cherubim, the Bible says there was a bright shining light. Guess what that was? The glory. So every time God's glory looked down into the Ark of the Covenant, there was a reminder that man blew it. Those Ten Commandments had been broken, every one of them, time and time again. The, the, the rod that budded in the pot of manna was just a symbolism of the wilderness wanderings and 11-day journey that turned into 40 years. So every time God's glory peered down into the Ark of the Covenant, God was reminded that man had broken his law and fell short of his standard until the high priest came in. Not with any blood that he had shed on his own, but the blood of another sacrifice. And he sprinkled the sacrifice on the mercy seat. And the blood turned a throne of judgment into a throne of mercy. I want to tell you that the Bible says that Moses' tabernacle, the tabernacle that we've been walking through this morning, that it was built after as a shadow or a replica of things in the heavenlies. I want to tell you that we have a great high priest that passed through the veil into the holy of holies in heaven, not with the blood of bulls and goats, not with the blood of an animal, but with his own precious blood. He went into the holy of holies and sprinkled his blood. And now when I come before God, he doesn't see the broken law, but he sees the blood that has been applied from another sacrifice. 
Give Him praise for His blood. But here's the sad part of the story. The children of Israel lost the glory. They lost the ark of the covenant to their enemies. The Bible says that when they finally reclaimed it, it had camped out at the house of a man named Obed-Edom because when they found it and when they were transporting it back to where it was supposed to be, one of the men tried to steady it. It was on a cart that was being pulled by oxen and a man named Yuza put forth his hand to steady it and the glory of God struck him dead because he put his hand toward the glory and man, man can't do that. You couldn't see God this morning and live. We can't bear His glory. And so they, they were having a hard time stewarding the glory. But finally, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, under the leadership of King David, interestingly enough, they called Jesus the son of David. He comes from the house and lineage of David. It was through David's leadership that the glory came back to Jerusalem. And you can read about it. There were sacrifices. They were shouting. They were dancing. They were praising but they didn't steward the glory. They got excited when the visible representation of the glory came back into the city and King David took his kingly garments off and danced in his linen ephod. Everybody was caught up in, in the visible representation of the glory coming back into Jerusalem, but they got back in a rut. And they would serve God and backslide and hit rock bottom and turn around and repent. They'd serve God and backslide and hit rock bottom and turn around and repent. It was a vicious cycle that went over and over and over. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, I'm skipping a lot of information, but for 400 to 600 years, heaven was silent. The priesthood still did their priestly duties, but God wasn't a million miles within the temple. They still burnt their incense. They still did the things they were supposed to do, but God wasn't there. But if you'll skip to the book of Matthew, there's rumor going around that there's a wild man named John the Baptist that's out by the river Jordan baptizing people he's out in the murky Jordan River and he's got on a camel's hair coat he's eating grasshoppers and wild honey got grasshopper legs sticking out between his teeth and he's out there proclaiming repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and they come to him and say who are you are you Elijah the prophet are you the Messiah? He says, oh no, I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the paths. Prepare the way of the Lord. Now here's an interesting thing about John the Baptist. His father was a priest. Zacharias was a priest after the Aaronic priesthood, the priesthood of Aaron. Because when the angel came and told Zacharias that Elizabeth, his wife, was going to bear a child and call his name John, Zacharias was in the temple burning incense. He was doing his priestly obligations. Do you know what that means? That means technically and legally the next priest should have been John the Baptist. 
But John the Baptist doesn't show up in priestly garments. He shows up in camel's hair. Why? Because God wasn't talking to the priesthood. The priesthood was too caught up in their tradition and their religion to hear anything from God. They had figured out how to do things for 400 to 600 years without God talking. And so they just kept going through their routine. And God said, I've got something to say. And since they won't hear it, go out to the Jordan River. And so John the Baptist is out there putting people down, bringing people up. Putting people down, bringing people up. And the whole time he's saying, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. John said, when you leave my services, you're dripping with water. But when you leave his services, you'll be burning with a new fire. Now listen. In the Old Testament, when one priest was about to give way to the next priest, he would fully immerse him in water. And so one day Jesus showed up to John's service. And instead of John saying, there's my cousin. Instead of John saying, there's my boy. He said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. You say, preacher, why did he call him the Lamb of God? Because John grew up in the home of a priest. He knew what a sacrifice was supposed to look like. Jesus came down in that water and said, John, baptize me. And John said, me baptize you. You need to baptize me. And Jesus said, we've got to fulfill all righteousness. John took Jesus, put him under that murky water brought him up while the voice of the father thundered through the atmosphere this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came and lighted upon Jesus shoulder what happened preacher one priest was baptizing another priest and John was saying this is the end of the Aaronic priesthood now God speaks through his son the Logos the word the Lord Jesus Christ So will the glory ever come home, preacher? I want to tell you it already come home when Jesus came to this earth. Brother, you can get ready. And he came unto his own, John 1, 12, and his own received him not. But as many as would receive him to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now it's not just a Jewish thing. It's a whosoever will thing. But Jesus left too now. Jesus was crucified, right? He had to be for us to get into the glory. There's no way around that order of sacrifice. Jesus had to die. But before he ascended back to heaven, he told his followers, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. We've read it for years. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost fully come. They're all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That was the glory coming home. Because God never wanted to dwell in a badger skin tent. God never wanted to dwell in Solomon's temple. He wanted to dwell in his people. 
And now Paul says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Here's another Pharaoh Hardison quote. I have to tell you that now, but at home, at, at my church, I just preach it and don't give him the credit. But here I have to give him the credit because he knows that it's his. In the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. In the New Testament, God has a people as his temple. He doesn't want to dwell in brick and mortar on the side of a street corner. He wants to live in you. And the door has been opened for the glory to come home today. And there will never be a homecoming like the one there'll be when you realize the glory's come home. Would you stand with me please? Father, Please take something I've said and make it a blessing. Lord, I believe I've obeyed you. And now I pray that you would plant your word like a seed in the hearts of your people here today in Jesus' name. As every head's bowed, every eye closed, you may be here this morning and you've never even gone to the altar of sacrifice. You've never gone by the cross to have your sins washed away. It's more than a fairy tale. It's reality today. You say, preacher, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. Grace is always greater than our sins. Maybe you say, well, preacher, I'm saved, but I, I, I don't know that I really live in this reality that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I want to know Him better. I want to know Him more. Maybe you're here and you've got a need on your heart. Just something weighing heavy on you. By lifting up your hand, I won't call you out or embarrass you. You're saying, preacher, pray for me. God sees these hands. God bless you. God bless you. As the music plays, I'm not going to prolong this. I'm not a preacher that gets up here and begs and primes and prods. But if you need prayer this morning, I would be honored to pray with you. As the music plays, we're going to wait just a few moments. And if you say to me, well, preacher, I don't feel like I need to go forward. You talk to the Lord right there in your seat, in your heart. Just be honest with Him today. The Pine Level Pentecostal Church Incorporated, copyright 2023. Happy homecoming.